0: Welcome to this message from Shafal Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His word being preached. So let's delve into the deep stuff. Now that we have some some base to work from. I was thinking about... um, It's something, you know, it's a deep question that we all keep thinking about. You know, what is life? What does life mean? You know, what... What, what does life consist of, and, and how do we do this as optimally as possible? Now, I'm an engineer by trade, so everything I do and everything I think about, I, I try to optimize, you know, make it simpler, make it easier. You know, they say the, the best engineer is a lazy engineer. You know, he always tries to, to find the shortcut in something. So, if we think about life, now, how does this work? How does, well, how does life fit together? And the best definition that I could come up with was that life is a series of events that happens. Now, there's two types of events that happen. The one is an event that you can initiate, and the other one is the one that initiates you. That you're in a situation and there's really not much you can do about it. And a very good example that I can think about is, is childbirth. You know, you can initiate what room, what color you're going to paint the room, and when you're going to buy, you know, a baby chair, and when you're going to, you know, start doing this and hang the curtains and all that sorts of stuff. And then one morning at 2 o'clock, your wife wakes you up and says, listen, it's go time. And then you get initiated. And you find yourself in a series of events that you have no control over. And once that baby is born, you'll never have control again. <laughs> so we're all, we're all in these this things that happen in our lives. You know, and there's always somewhere else that we need to go. There's always another place after this. We need to go there, and then we need to go there. And I'm sure all of you sitting here has thought about what they're going to do after church this morning. Now, are we going to have a coffee together with some friends? Are we going to have a bride? Are we going out for some hamburgers? There's always, we're always thinking about what's the next thing? You know, what is, what's next? Now, the question is, if these things keep happening to us, some things we have some control over, some things we have less control over, how do we prepare ourselves to walk in that situation, to walk through life, through these events, not to be fazed, not to be caught blindsided by something and you know, that, 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 that steers you off the path? Not to be blindsided. So if I can summarize what this message this morning is about, it's as follows. How do we prepare ourselves... To get where we need to go from where we currently are, that we got to from some place that we've been recently, that we can't really remember where it actually was. So I'm not going to repeat that because I don't think I can. <laughs> so, so that is, that is that is a message this morning. You know how how do we prepare ourselves? And everybody sitting here has something that they are looking forward to. Some, some part of their life, some, some phase that's next. You know, if you're in high school, you think about going to varsity or college, and then you st- start thinking about, you know, work, and then you start thinking about meeting your life partner, and then start thinking about raising a family, and then getting another job, and then getting a raise, and then getting your kids going to school, and there's always something going forward. There's always another season in your life until you get to a stage where you're thinking about retirement. You know, and it's not just thinking three months ahead or four months ahead. Or it's, it's something that you can think about years in advance. You know, your kids are out of the house and you start thinking about you know, retirement. It's, not, it's, it's just the next big thing in your life. You know, for me personally, the next big thing in my life is my son going to grade R next year, you know, and thank God he's going to a school that's literally around the corner from my house instead of driving to, you know, Ravonia every day to drop him off at school. So that's something that I am looking forward to, and that's the next thing that's happening in my life. So, and and whatever it may be, there's always something. Now, we need to make sure that when that something happens, that we are ready for that something to happen to us. And we don't regret the way we handle that something or the way that something took place. So we need to prepare for that. And, and new phases in your life also comes with some emotions. You know, there's always emotions involved in this. And there's some excitement, if it's something fun. You know, going on retirement, I think, is quite fun. You know, not getting up every day and working. So there's it, something that... That's fun with it, but with that comes an element of stress. You know, because something next means that it's something new, and something new means change. And change means that it's something that you've never experienced before. So, how do we prepare ourselves for something that we've never experienced before? The question is is there something that we can do to prepare ourselves? even though we've never experienced it before? And the answer is yes, luckily. If the answer was no, this would be a very short sermon. Now, I'd send you home and say, go pray to God and say, please, God, don't let anything change in my life. But luckily, there's something that we can do. He said yes. But before we start on this journey, one second, before we start on this journey, of preparing ourselves for what lies ahead, there's two things that I want you to keep in mind. And these aren't new theological you know, things that's happening in the world. It's something when I mention it to you, you'll think, man, that makes sense. The first thing is, it doesn't matter what else you pack on your journey into the next phase of your life. You have to pack yourself, because you will be there. It doesn't matter how much the circumstances around you change or how much you're looking forward to what's happening, you will still be the same guy that you was beforehand. And sometimes we trick ourselves in thinking that, you know, I will, I will be prepared. I will change because my circumstances change. The fact is you won't. You will still react the same way because you're still the same person. The second thing that I want you to think about is that there's no necessary correlation between knowing what is ahead and being prepared for what is ahead. You know, it's like the Springboks. They know they're going to play the All Blacks in the first game of the 2019 World Cup. Knowing it doesn't mean they are prepared for that match. (laughs) Let's hope they get there. Another example of this is just think about that for a moment. Every, every Friday afternoon, or mostly Saturdays and Sundays, you know, people get dressed, they get all fancy dressed up, and, you know, they get the family together, and they go to a venue, and there's normally some vows involved, and at the end of it, there's an I do, you know. And for those of us a couple of years on the other side of I do, Will know that I do doesn't necessarily mean I can. <laughs> it means I want to. <laughs> There's a promise that I'll try my best, but it doesn't necessarily mean I can. You know, knowing what's ahead doesn't mean you are prepared. I've seen people spend so much energy and so much time preparing for the wedding day. And not preparing for what happens the day after. You know, so you need to prepare for what is ahead. And, and this is quite difficult. And, and when difficult things happen to us, we normally try to rope in someone to assist us a little bit. So this morning, we're going to call on a guy. His name is James. Uh, he had a very famous brother. His name is Jesus. Jesus. And um, just just imagine that for a moment. Just imagine growing up in a house where your brother is Jesus. You know, mom would be like, uh, James, please go to the fountain and get us some water, but don't let Jesus touch it because I want to cook with water tonight. We don't need wine. (laughs) Or or James, you know, I know it's your turn to make dinner this evening, but Jesus made dinner last night and there's a lot of leftovers. (laughs) So just imagine that. <laughs> so now James wrote a book. And it's quite late in the, the New Testament and so on. And in this book, he gives us some insight into how to prepare ourselves to get into this situation, or to prepare ourselves for what's coming next. And in fact, he's so confident in what he says that at the end of the passage, he says that it doesn't If you do what I suggest, and this is James, he says, if you do what I suggest you do, you will be blessed. You will be happy. And that is what you want in the next phase of your life. You want to be blessed. You want to be happy. So let's dig in there. It's in James 1, verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. So what he says here. James says, don't fool yourself in thinking that if you heard something, you've changed. Don't think because you've heard something that's going to make a difference in your life. And this is a big deal for us as, as a church in whole, because there's a lot of people coming in church every Sunday, sitting here and thinking, just because I was in the room, I'm a better person. Just sitting here and listening to what is preached every morning actually changes me. You know, and, and it's good. It's amazing to come to church, and it's amazing to get all these things and, and listen to teachings and download podcasts and, you know, and all that sorts of things. It's, it's amazing to do these things. And then you say, okay, now what? What then? If hearing doesn't help, what then? James goes on later, and he says, don't be hearers of the word, but do what it says. And that's the crux of the matter. It says, do what it says. It's not enough to come here on a Sunday morning, and then someone like me or young George or, or Henny or a preacher, or whoever it is, comes here and, and gives this amazing sermon, and then you sit there and you say, oh, man, this is so amazing. This, this was exactly for me. It's as if he preached directly to me. And you feel so convicted of what he said. And you think, that's it. That's the goal. But being convicted is not the goal. Being convicted is not the reason that we come to church. It's like paint. You know, Paint is fantastic. You can have it in a, in, a, in a bucket that it comes into and it's good to transport. But if you do not apply the paint, nothing's going to change. Your house is still going to look as crap as it was before. You need to apply this. So let's go on. James says further. It says, So anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. I love this, the visual effects here. You know, it's, it's like someone that, James says, it's like someone that wakes up in the morning, you know, and then before you're really awake, you go get some coffee, and then, and then you're awake. And then after that, you go to the mirror, you look in the mirror, and you're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> this is not a pretty face. And then getting dressed and going to work. See, that is, that is not the way it works. And then the one moment you walk away getting dressed, you forget the horrific face that was staring right back at you in the mirror a moment ago. And then you're going back to work. He says a mirror is a reminder that there is an action required when you're looking into the mirror. Now, a mirror requires a response. Now, I don't know every one of you, but this I know about Every one of you. I know exactly how much time you spend in front of the mirror every day. I don't know you, but I know this. You stand there until it gets better. <laughs> you stand there until that horrible face of yours transforms and you can present it to the world. You know, that mirror requires a response. And that is what I love this teaching so much. It says, you need to do something. It's, it's the moment when you, when you get to, and, and you don't get credit just for looking in the mirror. You know, looking in the mirror, seeing, oh my word, getting dressed, going to work, and then your boss comes in your office and is like, you know, you're not going to see a client today looking like that. And you tell him, but I looked in the mirror. He says, Have you taken your medicine today? Looking in the mirror doesn't make a difference. A mirror requires a response. James says it doesn't help reading one book after the other book, hearing teachings, listening to sermons, downloading all sorts of stuff, and you're not doing anything with it. He says if you're not in the habit of seeing something happening, or seeing something that's about to happen, and you do nothing about it, don't fool yourself in thinking that when the change comes, when the next circumstances come, I will be able to do it. I will do it then. You know, I will do it when the time is ready for me. Then I will do it. He says, if you see something now, and you do nothing now, You won't do something later. You have to start doing something now. Because it's a habit. And habit, as you know, doesn't change overnight, unfortunately. Now, how amazing would it be to get a habit overnight of getting up at 4.30 in the morning and going for a jog or going to gym at 4.30, just like that. It's a habit. That would be amazing. But unfortunately, in the real world, it doesn't work like that. It takes time. But, James says there is a but. And this but will help you prepare your but for what's coming next. James says, but, whoever looks intently, and the Greek meaning of this intently is to look deeply, to look with understanding. He says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom. Now, let's, This perfect Lord is he's speaking about. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus had his ministry on earth, the Pharisees came to him, and they asked him this question. They said, you know, what is the greatest commandment? You know, they had 613 laws, and they knew the right answer. These Pharisees knew the right answer, and Jesus started out with the right answer. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, and, and they were like, we ask for one. Jesus says, "And love your neighbor as yourself." These are not number one and two. These two are equal at number one. And then a little bit later on, you know, and at the at the final um, the final meal of Jesus. What do you call it? What's the the Last Supper, that's the one. At the Last Supper, Jesus was sitting there with His disciples, and He turned to them and He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another the way I loved you. This is the law of Jesus, that you love one another the way that I loved you. It's not the way that you have been loved it's not the way that you like to be loved. No, that's the golden rule. But Jesus says there's a platinum rule that says, Love one another as I love you. And as these disciples were sitting there, probably thinking about all the times Jesus loved them. You know, there was this time that they were on a boat and there was a storm coming and he walked on the water to them and, you know, they felt safe again. Or that time that they were on a boat and, you know, the winds and the waves and he stood up and he calmed everything down, you know. All the time that, that He fed them with some fish and some bread and, and that whole thing, and I thought, man, that's love. But what they didn't know was that in a couple of hours, Jesus would get captured, He'd get imprisoned, He'd get nailed to a cross for their sins, dying on that cross, rising up again after three days, appearing to them and say, this is what I'm talking about. This is love. This is the love that I'm talking about. This is the way that you would love one another. And I believe this is what James had in mind when he said we look into the perfect law that gives freedom and that we should look intently with understanding into this perfect law of loving one another and understand how we should respond to it. How we should love one another as God has loved us. And this will bring freedom. This will bring liberty if you love the way that Jesus loves us. And it's not nice just memorizing the verse, saying a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, I love you. I know Jesus said this. Or just hearing me talking about this. Jesus says, love one another. It's a noun. It's a do word. You should love intentionally and on purpose, and that we should realize that seeing now and doing, or hearing now and doing, will prepare you from doing later, will prepare you from being free later on. You know, it's it's looking in the mirror and preparing yourself till He's ready, then going to work, then having the freedom and the liberty to walk into your client's office and say, listen, I know you want what I'm selling, so give me your money and I'll give you what you want. No, it's that liberty of walking in there and, and having the freedom to engage because you know there was an action that has taken place. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I know what fruit it bear in my life when I started applying these things. I was taught at a very young age there's some things that you need to do even though it's not lacquer to do it, even though it's not fun at the time, but it's better for you later on. And something like tithing. You know, I was I was raised in a in a house where where that was part of of what it is. You know, the income you get, you give a portion back to the church. It was never negotiated. There was never anything weird about this. And I saw the fruit that it had in my parents' life. And then I started implementing it in my own life. And at varsity, I was, I was waitering to save up to buy a motorcycle because I had a bicycle at that stage that, for all intents and purposes, didn't have any brakes. Which is quite fun if you drive around Brooklyn with all the... You know, heels. It's it's quite navigating. So and, and, and you work long hours and you work for tips and, and it's hard work and at the end of end of the evening you get your tips back and you say, This portion goes back to the church. That's not liberating. That doesn't feel liberating to take your hard earned money and you think to yourself, Yes man, I'm studying now, so later when I get a job, I will be able to do this easily. And you fool yourself thinking that your heart's going to change. Start doing it then. And I'm so glad that I got into that habit because now I, I don't stand here and tell you, listen, I'm a millionaire and I, 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 don't, I have so much money that I don't know what to do with that. That's not the point. You know, it, it's not true. <laughs> but the point is, it's, it's the freedom that comes with that. You know because of of that habit that I got into I am now free of the grip of money in my life. I can swing by a Black Friday and not buy anything. Because I know money doesn't have hold of my life. You know knowing that you are the master of your money that you spend it on whatever you think it's necessary. You know, and, the, and the next thing that, that we can think about is, oh, uh, just just on the giving again, you know if, if you do you realize that when you are generous, when you give something, you actually help someone else, you are a blessing to someone else because you gave of your money. There's people that doesn 't have it. when you give, you bless someone else, you give, and that 's exactly when you do that. You are living the same way that Jesus did. You are loving the same way that Jesus loved because He gave to us. He gave His life to us. If you want to emulate Jesus, that's the way of doing it. And I'm not taking up the offering that has been done already to put away your wallets. This is just an example of my life where I have applied something that was not fun at the time, but it's liberating later on in life. And another example of this is forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a really hard thing to comprehend because it doesn't make sense. Forgiving someone feels as if you're punishing yourself for something someone else did to you. It feels like a double portion of punishment on your life. And you're doing it yourself. But you can ask anybody later on in life, there's nothing more liberating than forgiveness. And Henny had an amazing sermon, the other Henny had an amazing sermon about that last week, and if you haven't heard it, I beg you, please go and download that, because it's an amazing, it was a revelation to me in my life. So please go and and listen to what he said about about forgiveness. And forgiveness is not something that comes into effect effect just because you buy into the premise. Forgiveness is not something that, that you can see the fruit of if you think, yes, this is a good idea. This makes sense forgiving someone is an action you need to forgive it's a do word again the last thing i just want to want to mention on on this is sexual morality you know this is this is something that, that's that's so skewed in the world these days you know it's it's it thinks if you are a sexually moral person that you are missing out When in fact, this is the way that you honor the person that you are with. That you show them how much you love them. You are honoring them, and you are honoring their potential future relationships as well. And even your future potential relationship, if if you know that one didn't work out. It's love. It's because you love the way Jesus loved. You don't want to do that to a person. And the world paints this picture that you know the best romance happens when you have experience. When you come in there and you say, Listen, I know what I'm doing. But let me tell you something. Romance comes from exclusivity. Knowing that it's you and me and nobody else. And nothing else. That is where real romance happens. It's when realizing <laughs> <laughs> sorry that You love as Jesus loves. Compromising yourself. And again, it's something that you do. Getting to that line, but because you know where that line is. There is a line. And getting to that line and saying no, that is difficult. But it's a habit again. And it's something that you need to do. And it's something that you need to prepare for before it happens. Because if you get to that line and you're not prepared, you're not going to stop. You're, not, you're going to cross that line. So being prepared and making that decision is what makes a difference later on in life. You know, and we can go on and on and on with all these examples, and every time James comes back and says, yes, I agree, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's that we should find our reflection into this perfect law and applying that. To our life, doing something about that until we understand what it is that we need to do to be liberated later on in life. It's looking in the mirror and taking action, looking into this perfect law that Jesus gave us and measuring all of your actions against that on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Looking and adjusting now will save you later on. If you see something that's going to happen, you see something ahead, make adjustments now. It'll be worth it. Just ask the captain of the Titanic. No, wait, you can't. Because he didn't. (laughs) No, he saw something and he didn't take the correct actions. Or when he did, it was too late. And a lot of people paid for that. So seeing something and taking action now might save your life, might save other people's lives, and might even bring a lot of other people to Jesus. Just because you are standing and you are a doer of what he says. So let's look at the whole verse. So it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, there's something greeky going on here as well that I just want you to understand for a moment. When he says here, it, it doesn't say that that you know, what you do will be blessed. It's a lot better than that. James says you will be blessed, personally, in what you do. And this blessed is happy. You know, you will be happy if you do now what God calls you to do now. It's the habit of doing that will make you happy. The habit of doing that will prepare you for anything that's coming later. Being a doer now be, prepares you for doing a do, for being a doer later, even if the do's change. You know, doing the right stuff when you're single prepares you for doing the right stuff when you're married, even though the do's are very different. So the, the, the best preparation for what comes next is to do what God calls you to do to do what He placed in your heart and to take action on the things that you see ahead. Because you do see ahead. We do plan ahead. We know what's coming. Prepare for that. And when you get there, when you look into this this law and you measure against do I love as Jesus loves? When you get that right, when you take that action, there will be liberty And you will be blessed in what you do because of this. Maybe not now, maybe a little bit later, but you will be glad that you did. You know, one of the greatest regrets in our lives is at times that we got some great advice but didn't take it. There are times that we heard something and we didn't apply it in our lives. One such an example is when I just started working, a couple of years back, my project manager at that time, he told me, listen, I know you're still young and so on, but there's this, this thing coming up that I, uh, that I think will be quite nice later on in life. It's called Bitcoin. So I know most of you know about Bitcoin. And he said, you know, I suggest that you invest some of your salary every month in Bitcoin. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm still young. I'm not, you know, diverse portfolios and whatever. It's my first year in a job. I'm not going to spend my money. It's a long time until I retire. So I'm going to use my money for what I want to do now. At that time, the Bitcoin was 10 rand for a Bitcoin. Today, it's a lot more. And I regret it. That's the one regret that I had. You know, you got good advice from a person who's reputable. Who knows what's happening and you just didn't take it. And that's the things that we regret in life is getting that advice and not taking it. So, if the band can come up so long, we're going to wrap this up. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it will come at no surprise to you that Jesus taught on the same subject as well. But Jesus' one was a little bit little bit different. He's got a different analogy. Jesus said, He says that whoever hears these words and put it into action is like a wise man that built his house on a rock. You know? <coughs> the wise man build his house on the rock. And I know the song, the band's not ready yet, but the rain came down and the flood went up and the rain, you know, know I'll entertain you till they're ready. So the rain came down and the flood came up. And the house on the rock stood fast. And Jesus says, yeah, it's, if you do what I say, you are that wise man. And the foundation that you're building on is the fact that you are a doer of the things that you hear. You are a doer of the word. The foolish man, he didn't listen. Well, he listened, but he didn't do. And he built his house on sand. And when the rains of life came in, and the floods rose up, his life came tumbling down, and he wasn't ready, because he wasn't a doer. He wasn't ready at the time. He wasn't prepared, because he wasn't in the habit of doing so that's a solid foundation that we need to build our house on. And it's a habit that we're going to have to start with now so that we are prepared for the seasons that's coming. And as we think about this, you can all stand up stretch your legs a little bit. There's two questions that I want you to ask yourself this morning. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to You know, raise your hand if this is you. But there's something that that you need to ask yourself this morning. And it requires an action. I'm going to hold up a mirror. And when you see what's going on in that mirror, how are you going to respond? The first question I want to ask is, what are you doing now that you should not be doing? And you keep telling yourself that I will, I will st- I'll change in the next season. This will change when my circumstances change. This will change. This, this habit that I'm doing now, it's something that I can, it's, it's a silly little thing, man. I can, I can leave it anytime. What are you doing now that you know that you should not be doing? God has told you this a couple of times. And that uneasy feeling that you get when you're doing it, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Saying, you better change your course. There's an iceberg ahead. The second question that I want to ask is, what are you not doing now? That you should be doing. And you keep saying to yourself, I'll start doing it in the next season. You know, when my ship comes in, I'll start doing this. When I just can get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I'll change. When I can just get a new job. When I can move back to Cape Town, I'll change. What are you not doing now? Is there an action that you need to take now? Is there a decision that you need to make now in order to change your direction for the rest of your life? Are you going to hear these words that I'm saying this morning and get convicted and saying, Oh, that's so true. And walk out and just do the same thing tomorrow again? Or are you going to start doing now with God place on your heart to do are you going to make a commitment now to change to get that habit going so that when the next season comes it's not difficult for you it's already a habit making a commitment means taking action now so I'm just going to pray for you thank you God for just for loving us Jesus, for coming and saying that, you know, the mirror that you're holding up to us, He's saying that, love one another as I love you, with a perfect love. I gave everything for you, and every action I took, was with you in mind. And that you is every one of us. Not just you as a person, but every other you that you come in contact with. Love one another as I love you. Lord, and changing is, is so difficult. It's so something that comes naturally to us in our fallen state. Lord, but we pray that you will give us the strength to do this. Because we cannot do it alone. It's only by your blood that we can come to your throne. Say, God, change our hearts. Paul writes in Roman that we should renew our minds. Lord, I pray that you will come alongside us, renewing our minds daily, renewing the way that we think about things happening around us, things happening to us and things we let happen, we make happen. The impact that it has on the people that you love. Help us to take action now so that we are ready for when the next season comes. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at